We are at sort of an intersection between the holiday of Sukkot and also the days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur that are sort of behind us but still with us. Lel Hashanah Rabbah marks a closing of the Yom Hadin. In case we may have um, perhaps made mistakes between Yom Kippur and today, HaKadosh Baruch Hu in His infinite mercy says, I'm going to give you one last chance. And that's Hashanah Rabbah. I want to discuss a Sukkot concept that also has a lot to do with Hashanah Rabbah and with uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We find an interesting phenomenon when it comes to the mitzvah of Sukkah. Sukkah, we know, is supposed to be a diras aray. It's supposed to be a temporary dwelling. And But we find that as much as the walls could be as solid as can be, it's the this, it's this schach that has to be temporary. I don't know if you've ever been to anybody's house. I was recently at a uh, student of mine in Toronto, and he has a kitchen, and in the kitchen there's actually a, a ceiling which is like a retractable glass ceiling. It opens up, and that's where they celebrate Sukkot. They don't have a Sukkot like outside like everybody else does. They actually have the Sukkot in their house and it just, like with a hydraulic lift, they're able to remove that glass ceiling and they put some schach on top of it and that's a Sukkot. The mother told me that she regrets very much that she has that. Her husband wanted to put that in but she feels it's not Sukkot stick. She feels that the kids never get a chance to really feel a sukkah because it's so real, it's so permanent. But it's halachic sukkah. Why is it halachic sukkah? Because the schach is temporary. The walls are very firm. It's regular, they're regular sheetrock walls. And why is that? If we want to make a sukkah into a temporary dwelling, shouldn't all of the walls be temporary? Why is it just the ceiling that has to be very, very... Uh, temporary and the rest of the the rest of the sukkah can actually be very permanent. I want you to hold on to that thought for a little bit. We're going to take a little bit of a uh, of a detour and then we'll get back to answer that. And I think it's going to be a profound lesson. One of the great contributions of the Sardim to Torah Judaism, not that they need any any uh, mention, because so much of everything that we have is from Svarda Gedalim. All we learn about in Yeshiva is the Rambam and the Rif and the Rosh. So many of the uh, the great Rishayim and the great Achreinim were Svardic giants. But one of their great tr- contributions, in addition to their Torah brilliance, was their poetry. The, the Svardim wrote poetry that is absolutely exquisite. One of the greatest Svardic poets in the 11th century was a man by the name of Rav Ibn Gabiro. Rav Ibn Gabiro was attributed, it's not even clear whether or not he was actually the author, but the famous Adain Eilam, which we say every morning, every night, every at the end of davening, Adain Eilam probably was written by this man, 
and many, many hundreds, if not thousands, of other piyutim, of other poetry, was all authored by this one individual by the name of Shlomo Ibn Gabiro, which is pretty amazing when you think about how short a life he lived. He lived a life, he was only about 36 years old when he died. He started writing his poetry at 16, he died at 36, that gives us 20 years to produce a treasury of poetry that is unmatched in its beauty. There's an interesting legend, just parenthetically, about Rav Shlomo Ibn Gabiril, about how he died in Spain. He was a... Um, there was a uh, an Arab poet who was very jealous of his ability to author such beautiful poetry. And he was so jealous that he actually went, and the legend has it, that he murdered Rav Shlema Ibn Gabiro. That's how, uh, that's how the story goes. And he buried Rav Shlema Ibn Gabiro under a, under a fig tree. And nobody knew who murdered him. He just disappeared, and they didn't know where he was buried. They didn't know that he was murdered altogether. He just vanished, Rav Shlema Ibn Gabiro. What happened was that this fig tree all of a sudden started growing the most delicious figs and the most beautiful tree started growing from what used to be like a sort of like a shabby tree. It became like a beautiful tree and the figs that grew were so delectable that people started saying something strange is doing with this fig tree. And they dug up the fig tree. They found Rav Ibn Gabiro's body and they were able to find the murderer based on evidence of the body. Whether that story is true or not, I'm not sure. But it's just one more interesting detail in this great man's life. Rav Shlom Ibn Gabiro wrote a poem called Keser Malchus. And he has one great line in this poem that is so beautiful... And it ties in very well to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. He says the words like this. I'll read to you the English translation, but the three words that I want to focus on this evening, I will read afterwards in Hebrew. He says like this. Hashem, if my sin is too great to bear, what will you do for your great name? And if I do not hope for your mercy, who else will take pity on me except for you? So even if you kill me, I beseech you. And if you seek my sin, I will flee from you to you. And I will protect myself from your anger in your shade. The three words that I want to focus on in this poem is the three words of fleeing from you to you. Evrach mimcha elecha. I run away from you, Hashem, and I run into your arms. What does that mean? Seems like very strange. I'm running away from you, and I run towards you. Am I running away from you, or am I running towards you? So the way that the briskarav, Rav, Yitzhak, Zev, Salavechik, Zechitzadik, Lebracha, explained these words... And he noted that the Rambam writes a similar language in his Pirush HaMishnayis, his commentary on the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah, the fourth parak. 
He also says that the days of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are days that umivrach umanais elav. We run away from Hashem and we run towards Him. What does that mean? So the Briskarov explains as follows. He says, people think that bitachin and Hashem means that I just believe that everything is going to be fine. I don't fear anything. Everything is fine. Every, life is great. I'm running. I'm doing. I'm being. I have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. And I have bitachin. I have pure faith in God and that everything is going to be good and that's bitachin. The Rizkov says that's wrong. Bitachin really means that I'm very afraid. I'm very afraid of Hashem. I'm very afraid of the din. But after I have that fear of God, I understand that the only way that I'll be able to be saved is by coming back to God. Tshuva is not a process that's easy. Tshuva is a process of soul-searching, of understanding that I have done a lot wrong in my life and that I'm afraid, I'm afraid of what will be as a result of this. And now I'm afraid, what do I do? I'm running away from God because I'm so scared. But then I realize that the only place I have to run to is back into God's arms. Reb Shimshim Pincus, the great Reb Pincus that everybody is so enamored by, his svarim and his tapes, he was a, a wonderful, wonderful gadol. He was uh, from America. He was born and bred in Brooklyn. And then he went to Eretz Yisrael, where he became the rab of a city called Ofakim. And he spread Torah throughout the entire Eretz Yisrael. And he made a lot of people from. And he had a yeshiva, and he had a shul, he had a community. Unfortunately, he died tragically um, in a car accident. Him and his wife and one of his daughters... But he was, and he died very young, and he would have been even more tremendous than he was. But he was just such a profound thinker. And he writes autobiographically in one of his svarim how one Purim, he was dressed up as a bear. On Purim, he put on a costume of a bear. And he came into the living room, and he had a little son, and his son starts going crazy because he's scared of bears. And then his father takes off the mask for a second and he sees that it's his father. And so he's at the same time terrified of the bear, but he comes running into his father's embrace saying, Tati, I love you, I need you. So he was running away from the bear, but towards his father. That's Evrach Mimcha Elecha. I'm afraid of you, God. I'm not like, I'm not so chilled with you. I'm not like so cool that I think that everything is fine. That's not Bitachim. That's not what Yemadin is. Yemadin is realizing that I have a lot to be afraid of. I didn't do such good in my life. And if I did do a lot of good, I did a lot of bad and I have to repair that and I'm afraid. And then I realize that as much as I'm afraid of the Rabbeinu Shalom, as much as I'm afraid of God, there is only one place for me to turn, and that's back to God. That's what tshuva is. Tshuva is coming back to God because I'm afraid. Evrach mimcha elacha. This is the words of Shlomo Ibn Gabir. I run away from you, towards you. 
because I realize that the only way to come close to you is by first fearing you and then coming back to you. If I don't fear you, then I can't, by right, come back to you. It's only when I'm running afraid of you, now I realize that I have to come back to you because you're the only person, you're the only being that can save me. Bayim Kippur, Mincha. There's a very special addition to the Kriyas HaTayra. We lay in called Sefer Yaina. Sefer Yona is the book of Jonah. Everybody has a very childlike perception of Jonah and the whale, and a whale swallows Jonah. There's a very, very profound lesson in Sefer Yona. What does Sefer Yona teach, teach us? That we have to lean it right before Ne'ilah on Yom Kippur. What's the lesson of Yona? What's the takeaway from this book, from this story of Yona? Very short story. Well, what's the profound lesson? The Mishnabrura writes, the Chavetz Chaim writes, that the lesson of Yaina is that you can run away from God, but you can never hide from God. As much as you run away, Yaina Hanavi was running. He didn't want the Nevuah, he didn't want to be a prophet. So he ran and he ran and he ran. Where did he run? He ran to the coast. He jumped on the ship. He paid for the whole ship just so he could get out in the nick of time. He didn't want to have prophecy in the Holy Land. He felt that once he gets on the boat, he's going to no longer have the reception from God. He would not have to be a Navi anymore. What happens to him? The The sea starts to churn. The boat is about to be capsized. They throw him overboard. He gets swallowed by a whale. And then he gets spit from one whale into another whale. And then he davens to Hashem. And guess where he gets spit out to? The city of Ninveh. Where Hashem wanted him to be, that's where he is. And the Mishnaburah says, you learn from this, that we spend our whole life running away from God. But you can't run away from God. God is all over the place. You can run, but you can never hide. Hashem knows where we are. And the only place that we could go is back into his arms. That is the lesson of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. But yet we try to hide, we try to run constantly. You know, the famous Hasidish Rebbe, the Ishbitzer Rebbe, great thinker, he said something very amazing that we could keep in mind, maybe this, Shab- this, this coming Shabbos is going to be Parshish Bereshis, Bereshit is a wonderful Shabbos, wonderful parasha. It's the brand new, fresh start of the Torah. We can see the Torah with fresh eyes again. You know, the Torah starts out that Adam and Chava, right away they sinned. The very first day of creation. They sinned. They were human beings, they sinned. What was the greatest sin? If I were to ask you, what is the greatest sin that Adam and Chava did? What would you tell me? They ate from the tree. The Ishpitzah says that wasn't their sin. Of course, that was a sin, but that wasn't the biggest complaint against Adam and Chavi. You know what the biggest complaint against Adam and Eve was? That after they sinned, what did they do? They tried to hide from God. The Pasuk says, They hid. They hid in the Garden of Eden, and then Hashem found them. You're hiding from God. That's your sin. You can't hide from God. We spend our whole life hiding from God. 
But we can't hide. It's impossible to hide from God because God is all over the place. But we spend our time trying to run and trying to hide. This morning, I had the privilege of speaking um, by a certain minion in Queens. And I was speaking about Kahelis, which we lane this morning. Kahelis we lane on Sukkot. Seems like such a, a funny time to lane Kahelis. Kahelis is supposed to be a sad a sad Megillah, right? Kahelis is very real. And we lane it on Sukkot, which is supposed to be the happiest time of the year. It's Mansum Chasenu. You would think you would lane a much happier sort of Megillah, like Megillah's Esther is a happy thing to lane. Why are you laning Megillah's Kahelis? Kahelis is something that is so sobering, it's so somber, it's so real, it's so true. Shlema Melech, the Chacham Mikaladim, the smartest man that ever lived, constantly says over and over and over again in Sefer Kahelis, Havel Havalim, the whole world is nothing. It's nothing. All that we're running after is nothing. Why do we lane that on Sukkot? It's such a funny time to lane it, to read this. So, I thought to say that the Chavetz Chaim says something that's very, very interesting. The Chavetz Chaim writes that in one of the verses, one of the chapters in Kehelas, famous songs that were written, Lakol's Man Va'es, everything has a time in life. Everything under the sky has a time. Everything. There's a time to be born, and there's a time to die. There's a time to, to plant trees, there's a time to cut down trees, there's a time to dance, and there's a time to, to, to be sad. Everything has its time. So the Chavetz Chaim says, why doesn't it say there's a time to live and a time to die? It says there's a time to be born, but the opposite of Lamos should be lichyos. It should be es lichyos. There's a time to live and there's a time to die. But it doesn't say that. Why not? So the Chavetz Chaim says, you know why? Because there's no time to live. We don't find time to live. We do things in life. We confuse doing activities with living. But we don't really live. Because living means understanding who we are, trying to perfect ourselves, thinking a little bit about God, thinking about what we're doing right, how we could do the things that we do right better, what we're doing wrong, how we can improve, how we could change. That's life, but we don't have time for that. We're so busy running. In, f- in effect, we're running away from God. You know, it's been, it's been observed that when a person goes into a car... What's the first thing you do when you, after you turn on the ignition and you, and you put the car into drive? Seatbelt, that's good. What else do you do? What? Look behind. Then what? You turn on the radio. Is that true? Either you turn on the radio, or you listen to a tape, or you listen to a shear, you could listen to music. But you're doing, so, right away you put something on. 10-10 wins, you know, you have to hear the same thing every 22 minutes, the same chazara over and over, the same news, the same sport, same... What's going Why can't we actually stop and just drive without that noise? You know what the answer is? We don't want to think. We want to go. We don't want to think. It's a very scary thing to think. Thinking is a very scary thing. To be in a car by myself, alone, 
not talking to anybody, just thinking about me and where I am in life, what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, how my relationship with my family is, how my, my relationship with God is, how, how my relationship with my friends are. That's very scary to make a real accounting like that. It's uncomfortable for people. So right away they put on the radio, they put on talk radio, they put on the news, they put on, they put on music, they put on, they don't want to think. We don't want to think. The Chavitz Chaim says, Shlema Malch is telling us in Kehelas that you don't have time for this. It's all Hevel. It's all whatever we're running after. It's not worth it. Because we're supposed to spend time doing the right thing. And I think that's why we lean it on, we, we read Kehelas on Sukkot because Sukkot is a time that we have time. We take off from work, even if we don't take, it's a block of time. It's like nine days and on Shabbos, of those nine days, when we really have nothing going on, it's the time that's best to think about where we are in life. And that's why Kehelas tells us, this is what you have to concentrate. You have to concentrate on what's real in life. This world that we're in, as glamorous and as, uh, as attractive as it is, is really very superficial. You know when the best time to realize how superficial the, the world is? On Chalamayid. I don't know how many of you are were busy on Chalamayid planning trips for your family, but uh, I was. And you know you have a you have time to go somewhere, and there are many options. You can go to Hershey Park, you can go to Great Adventure, you can go to Adventureland, you can go to you know this and that, and you realize that there's no real place that I really want to go to. This whole world is really has very little to offer. It's a very it's a very does anyone really enjoy? I went on Friday. I took my kids. They wanted one last thing to do on Chalamayid after all the other things that I did with them. So there's a place that has virtual reality. Um, and so I took them on, uh, on a virtual reality uh, uh, ride. It was basically a roller coaster. I get very sick with roller coasters. I don't know how anyone, how any human being can sit on a roller coaster. I don't understand it at all. And I, I did it once in my life. I got so sick, I never went on a roller coaster since. But my kids wanted me to go on this virtual reality roller coaster. So I figured, okay, it's a, it's a virtual reality. It's just a, it's a video. It's not a big deal. And it's a roller coaster. And all of a sudden, it took off. And boom, 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 up and down and to the sides and this and that. And rabbits are flying at you. And, and I got so sick till this afternoon, I was literally, I could not move. It was completely... Dizzying. And that's life. Life is very dizzying. Life is a roller coaster ride. And we're, we go up and we go down. But we never really have time to understand what's real in life. We're running. Evrach Mimcha, we're running away from Hashem. And Hashem understands that that's human, that it's not easy for us to face Him. But the Yom Naram were about a lecha. We're coming, as much as we're afraid of you, we recognize that we have to come back to you. There's a time that we can run away, but then we always have to come back. It's human to run away. We're afraid of God. We're afraid of what we're doing and how we're reacting and how we're, how we're acting. But it's Evrach Mimcha, I run away from you because I'm afraid. But ultimately it's a lecha. I have to run back into your arms. The 
Great Rav Nachman of Breslov had a very close disciple. His name is Rav Nassan of Breslov. And Rav Nassan of Breslov told a story about how it was with a, a banker that, was, that lived in his city. And this banker was very successful for a while. And then he went bankrupt. And when you go bankrupt, today it's like not such a big deal. It's like, you know, you work things out, it's all legal. But that, and back in those days, if you went bankrupt, there was no legal chapter 11, Chashev. It was like basically you owed people money, they wanted to get you, they were after you. There was no protection under the law. You had to come up with the money or else, you know, you were going to be hurt. So this banker ran away from home. He ran away from his, he couldn't pay his creditors. And he was so afraid that he ran and he ran and he ran. And he, he stopped shaving and he, he used to be a chash of a banker with a suit and a, you know, tie, everything. He became a homeless man. He ran from city to city. He was just depending on the largesse of the communities that he went to. He had nothing going for him. And then he bumps into Abnasami Breslov. And Reb Nassim says, what happened to you? I remember when you were a chash of a banker with your, you know, your three-piece suits and, your, and your, your pipe and your cigar and your this, and now you're a homeless person. What happened? He says, well, I went bankrupt and I ran away. And I don't know if I could ever go back. He says, let me tell you something. You can always go back. He says, go back to the city that you came from and just explain to the people there that you made certain mistakes in business and they'll help you. But what are you doing? Don't ruin your entire existence. And he said, okay, I'll do that. He went back. They looked at him like with such sad eyes. Like, Nebuch, this is what you became. How did this happen? He said, I made some poor business mistakes. And now I don't have the money to pay you back. They said, that's fine. And they put together a big collection fund and they paid all of his debts back and they put him back on his feet and he was able to get his old job back. And suddenly he went from rags to riches again. All because he decided, or because he was told by Rav Nassim that if you could go back. You're running and you're running and you're running, but there's a time to run and then there's a time to come back. Sukkis is the time that we really come back. Sukkah is the time that we are no longer afraid of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. This is a time of tshuva mi ava. The other time was a time of the bear. That was Rapinkas's mashal, or that was what happened with Rapinkas. He was a bear. That's Rashani Yom Kippur. We're afraid of God and we're coming back to Him. Sukkah is different. Sukkah is the time that we are coming back to Hashem, but it's a tshuva mi ava. Tshuva me'ava is a very powerful type of tshuva. It's not, I'm not coming back anymore because I'm afraid of you. I'm, I'm coming back again because I love you. It's not out of fear that I'm running back to Hashem, but it's out of pure love. It's an amazing thing, tshuva me'ava. You know what the Gemara tells us about tshuva me'ava? When you come back to Hashem out of love instead of just fear... All of the Averis that we've done in our life, what happens to them? They don't just get forgiven, but they get flipped into mitzvahs. They get flipped over into mitzvahs. That means that every Avera that we've done, 
becomes a mitzvah. It's amazing. It's only when you do tshuva me'ava. Tshuva me'ira just makes it that, it's, that it downgrades the, the severity of the avera. Tshuva me'ava says that everything becomes a mitzvah. All, imagine all the Lashon Hara that we spoke is now considered, because I do tshuva me'ava, it's considered all words of mitzvah. Or all of the, uh, anything that I did that was bad suddenly becomes turned into a, into a good thing. That only Hashem could do. That's what Sukkot is all about. Sukkot is a time that we celebrate the fact that we're back in Hashem's arms and that we're not hiding from Him anymore. We are here and we understand that there's no hiding. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with us and we embrace that feeling that HaKadosh Baruch Hu and me are together. And I believe that that is, getting back to our original question, the answer. Why is it that the sukkah could be in a house, I could open up this roof, let's say, and put some schach on, and this would be a sukkah? How is this a temporary dwelling if it's, the walls are so real? The answer is that the walls are irrelevant. But the fact that the sukkah has a top, which is so temporary, so porous, that you could see through it, Tashem, and more importantly, that Hashem could see down into the sukkah, that's our acknowledgement that we are no longer hiding from you. We have ran away enough in our life. We have constantly run and run and run to no avail. Wherever we ran was, when it was away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it never helped. It just made us more depressed, more miserable, more sad. The greatest simcha is coming back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what sukkah is. Coming back, not out of fear even, but out of love. And so by the sukkah being open, we're basically saying we're not hiding from you anymore. Here we are, here you are, and we have this direct communication going between us. Sukkot is a very powerful period of time. Hashanah night is the convergence of Sukkot and Rashanim Yom Kippur. It all comes together in Hashanah Rabbah. Hashanah is a night that it's tshuva. This is the end of the end. This is the last licks. We thought that Ni'ilu is the end. We were, the rabbi probably told us, as I told my community, that Ni'ila is it. you got to put it on your all, daven properly, because Ni'ila is the last of, uh, it's the closure of Yom Kippur, which is the closure of Aser Simei But it's not true. It never ends. Hashan Rabbah is one last opportunity to get into the gates of heaven, but out of love. It's not out of fear. We're running back to HaKadosh Baruch We're exposing ourselves to the Rabbi in pure love. Not out of fear. And that's why this night is so powerful. What is chus for us all to be here tonight and all the people out in Torah anytime land to be participating on Leil HaShanah instead of doing other things, learning Divrei Torah, listening to Divrei Torah. What a, what a powerful message to Hashem that we are here, we're not hiding from you. We're here. We've come to be before you, to do tshuva me'ava, to build our relationship back stronger than ever with you. 
that's on Hashanah Rabbah, an opportunity that we have, that we have no, we don't have throughout the entire year. And so it's an opportunity that we have to embrace. And Baruch Hashem that we have come together, thanks to Chazak, and thanks to Hidabrut and Tarani time, to come together and talk to every Taira, get Chizuk, get his Arus, and Mirz Hashem, all of our tefillas tonight and tomorrow, which is a very special davening tomorrow, it's a davening of uh, like a Roshanim Kippur davening, the Chazan wears a kittel, and, uh, and uh, you know, a lot of things that we say on, on the high holidays, we say tomorrow, it's a very powerful day. All of our tefillas should be answered. HaKadosh Baruch Hu should grant us a beautiful year full of tshuva, full of tefillah, full of Torah, simcha, bracha, mazel, the chalt of Thank you very much.